you know, a few uh, a few months ago, the Lord told me that a purge was coming and, you know, and I knew what that meant, but I wasn't trying to hear it. Any of you ever had the Lord tell you something or you sensed the Holy Spirit was telling you something and you did not want to hear that, you know, and it's, it's like the devil causes chaos at the time that you least needed it to happen. And it seems like the Lord speaks to you at the least time you expected him to speak, you know, but either way, you know, he uh, let me know that a purge was coming. So let's jump right into it. In the future, there will be three types of people who will not join this church. Uh, those unbelievers who are not ready to serve God. We've actually had people who came to the church and they were wrong kind of in this mindset. But they were like, dude, I, y'all the truth. So they recognized when they came in. OK, this is one of them places that's not half stepping. And so they said, I'm just not ready. And I don't want to come in here being fake. Y'all, it's fine for you to go to a church if it's fake. It's fine for you to go to a church if you're not living right, all of that. But in their mind, you shouldn't play with God. (laughs) You know, so they said, I'm not coming for that reason. Okay. then those who are religious and stuck in their tradition. So because we do things differently, most people are programmed a particular way. They are programmed to go to church on Sunday. They are programmed to have a praise and worship team. They are programmed, programmed, programmed. You know, I told you about, you know, as a place that's calling me a cult symbol because I have a service on Saturday and. We don't do an order of service where I come from. You know, you actually had an order of service and you always abided by that. Okay, you know, generally we don't know what's going to happen, especially in the weekend, you know, a service. Then you have those who despise small beginnings. Uh, There's a reason why the Bible says do not despise small beginnings. You know why? Because God knew that there will be a lot of people who would despise small beginnings. These are individuals that um, because I'm not on the level from the eyesight. Okay. On the outside, I don't have the fancy pews like they where they came from. You know, I don't have all of the bells and whistles. Okay, now the sad part is I'm on multiply level higher spiritually, which is the most important part. But because everything doesn't look up to par the way they desire it, and it's too small for them, then they can't. They don't want to deal with you. And the sad part is those very individuals when they see Lionheart Church is the biggest and the newest and the greatest thing. You know, because, I mean, y'all have no idea how many prophecies that we have received about us being the biggest church in the United States. You have no idea how many prophecies we get. Okay, I'm actually, and some of the prophecies have been, I would be the Bishop Oyedipo of the United States. Okay, Bishop Oyedipo is the biggest church in Nigeria. (laughs) Okay, so so you get those type of things. So when you start operating in that, then what happens is, is that those individuals that are carnal and fleshly, you know, they then join your church. Oh, because now that they're blowing up, now they on TV and now T.D. Jakes and everybody else wants you to come speak. I want to be attached to that church. OK, so you have those who those are the reason why they don't join at first. So then in the future, there will be three types of people that will leave this church. Ones who operate in pride and get besides themselves. Why are y'all laughing already? I ain't even said nothing. Hey. Ones who three types of people who leave this church, ones who operate in pride and get besides themselves, ones that God will get rid of because of their mentality and people who become offended as a result of the word preached or as a result of an incident that happens. Okay, it's amazing how people are faithful only as long as things are going their perfect way. And as soon as something does not go their way, they're no longer faithful. And that's really sad. You know, because God is very, very much big into faithfulness. Okay, if you're married, you know good and well that there have been times my wife and I were joking with a couple yesterday. About there are times you look, you wake up and you look at your spouse. Oh, I'm just so glad I met them. They're just so wonderful. Next week, I didn't marry Godzilla. Okay, and that's just the reality of it. Sometimes y'all can be all Catholic and holy if you want to. You know, good and well that didn't cross through your mind. 
sitting up here, oh, no, not me. Okay. So even the disciples got on Jesus' nerve. Okay. So that's how it is with relationships sometimes. You know, I'll give you an example of people who become offended at the word preach. When we first started this location, and none of you know her, um, and I do hope that she hears this message. That's why I'm saying it publicly. She came here. She had more children than my wife and I. She was a single lady. She had more kids. And the first day she came in this church, her teenage son said, Mom, this is it. This is the church. We need. This, this is it. We need to join this church. First day. She kept on visiting, eventually joined, got, them, got her family members filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. You know, um, uh, certain members of the family had certain things that had happened in the past that we got them delivered from. They were growing. They were teaching. They were excited, et cetera. And then I made one statement. All I did was repeat a positive statement by T.D. Jakes, and she left the church. And we kept calling her, calling her, and finally when she did return the phone call, she literally told us that the reason why she left is, she said, you made a statement about Creflo Dollar and about T.D. Jakes, and I don't like those ministers, and the very fact that you made a statement from them, I have a problem with that. So I'm out. That's the reason why she left. Okay? So that's what I mean by by people who will leave for that particular reason. You know, always be careful, y'all. God is all, I mean, Satan is always looking for a way to trick you out of your destiny. Always looking for a way to trick you out of your destiny. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Going to jump into this. (laughs) It says, And the Father gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. You know, these are the fivefold ministerial gifts. You can operate in more than one of those. Um, sometimes you operate in one at first, then you evolve into another one. There is no such thing as a pastor that is not a teacher. No such thing. If you're not a, if you are, is no, if you're a, uh, if you're a pastor, you must be able to teach. So it's an automatic gift that comes with the pastor because the Bible says that's one of the qualifications of being a bishop or a pastor is that it says you must be able to teach. Okay, so you can operate in more than one of these at the same time, or you can progress from teacher to pastor, then apostle, you know, all of those different type of things. So I started out as a teacher, then became a pastor, you know, and operated in what they call the kind of apostolic function. But the point that I'm making is the Bible says that the fivefold gift is designed to do one thing, and that is for the equipping of the saints in verse 12, for the work of service or ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. Okay. So the purpose for pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists and teachers is to catch fish, clean them up and then show them what their purpose is so that they can fulfill destiny. Okay, that's the main purpose for the five goal, fivefold. And when we say ministry, we don't just mean what you do in a church. Okay, Um, you know, we're talking about what you do, period. If God called you to be a mathematician, that's your ministry. If he called you to be an engineer, that's your ministry. If he called you to be a police officer, you know, whatever it is. Okay, the Bible says that if you operate in the military, Romans 13, it's amazing that there are two callings that are defined in Scripture, that of a pastor and that of a person in the military. It says both are called by God. One is called to execute vengeance in the spirit. One is called to execute vengeance in the natural. Okay, so all of those are your ministries. Okay, so. Let me give you a a vision that was given to a man to help you explain this title of prison church versus free church. Um, There's a gentleman by the name of Rick Joyner. Um, Rick Joyner and Kenneth Hagin are two individuals that I highly, highly, highly respect. Okay, I have about five men on my list that my respect for them is over the top. Kenneth Hagin, um, Bishop Oyedipo, um, Rick Joyner, a couple of other ones. 
So, but the Lord gave Kenneth, came to Kenneth Hagin in a vision and said, uh, and, and, and this is this is a teaching, it's a message, but it's more of a kind of reality check to let you know what we're going to have to deal with in the future and how this is really, really not a game. He said, most of my pastors never enter into the first phase of their ministry before they die. Never enter into the first phase. Okay, this is what the Lord told can think in the vision. Okay, and there's scripture to back that up. You know, you know, you know that scripture that says broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. Everybody thinks that's talking about heaven and hell. That's not talking about heaven and hell. Okay. The ultimate, the ultimate end of those can be heaven or hell. But that word, when it says narrow is the way that leads to life, the life, that word is Zoe, Z-O-E. It means living life the way that God would live it if he was in your shoes. It says narrow is the way to live the life that God would live if he was in your shoes. That word narrow doesn't mean thin. That word narrow in the Greek, it literally means pressure and distress. In other words, in order for you to fulfill your destiny, you're going to have to go through something. Okay, so I'm getting off already. Where was that? So told him, boom. So if most pastors and ministers can't fulfill their destiny, then, oh, they're not fulfilling theirs. They can't get you to yours, no matter what you preach. And so, so that's, a, that's a very, very huge problem. We were talking this morning about, about how there are so many pastors, you all, that are building churches that are not called. And the problem is, is that, is that I know I'm called. Because I have the fruit to bear it, okay? But the Lord builds the foundation. But the problem is, is that if you open up a church and you're not called, what happens is if you're not called, God doesn't build the house. So because he's not building it, you then try to build it. And then you build something that's not even supposed to exist. And then have people join it, and then boom, you had this problem. Rick Joyner received something else. The Lord told him, most pastors are doing good works. They're just not doing what I told them to do. And then he gave him a vision it's in a book called The Call. If you go on a, uh, I know it's a lot of people that's going to listen to us. It's a website, spiritlessons.com. There are about 30, 40 books on that website, all about the spiritual realm, heaven and hell. You can read those books on that website free of charge. Okay? But, but he, in a, it's a book on there by Rick Joyner called The Call. The first one is The Final Quest. The second book is called The Call. In The Call, the Lord told him, I want you to walk through this door. This is in a vision. I want you to walk through this door. He said, you're getting ready to have an experience. And he said, this experience will help you to understand why the men that I call in the last days will be completely different and fearless. And they will only care about one thing, me, nothing else. So he walks into this, opens a door. He said he was instantly in a prison yard. And he said it was prisoners all over the place. And he said he noticed that it seemed like it was a strange prison. He said that, that he said if you looked at the black men, he said they were all together in their group. He said, but even in the, category of black men, the young ones were separated from the old ones. Okay, he said, you then looked at the white men. He said, same thing. They were all in their own group. He said, and the older white men were separated from the younger white men. Same thing. He said, white, black, Asian, didn't matter. And he said, you had a few stragglers walk around a prison to see who they mostly identified with. He said, within every group, within every racial group and within every age group, he said, every group were always looking at each other to see what their differences were so that they could exploit it and attack one another. And all of them were wounded and hurt and had scars from previous incidents in their past. So he walks up to one of the gentlemen in the prison yard and uh, he asked him, you know, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, um, um, he asked him about the scenario. And he said, you know, what type of prison is? And the guy said, it's not a prison. He said, well, why would you say this is a prison? 
And so he thought that was confusing. So what he did was he walked over to, you know, how to have those guard shacks at the top of the prison wall. So if you try to escape, they, they take you out. So he said he started to walk over there and he got close to the fence and he noticed that, you know, how you have barbed wire and fence that keeps you in. He noticed that the fence had holes in it. and You could just walk out to prison freely. He said then he noticed that the wall was not a flat wall. You know, like this is a flat wall. You can't climb it. He said this thing was made like steps. He had it had grooves in it. He said based on the, the wall and the fence, he said all of the prisoners that were in the prison in the yard could easily free themselves at any moment, any moment. He said, that, but the problem is, he said that they didn't even know that they were in a prison. So they didn't think they needed to be free. So he finally walks up to the prison guard and he said uh, the prison guard uh, had his back to him. He walks up to the prison guard and says, sir, you know, can you tell me what type of prison this is? And I got whips around with a gun and he's dressed like a Catholic priest. And he says, why would you dare call my uh, uh, church a prison? He said, this is not a prison. This is the house of the Lord. Okay. And, and so now we're joining and starting to understand what the Lord is showing him. Okay. He said, this is the house of the Lord. God started threatening him with the gun. And, and he was like, these are, these, these are not prisoners. These are my parishioners. Okay. And so based on that threatening experience, he decided to walk to the next guard shack. And he said there was a woman there. And, uh, and this time he went in a little bit slower. He didn't just ask the question, what type of prison? He started asking her, what do you do? And she said, well, I'm a college professor. And he said she talked very condescending to him. And so, long story short, when he asked her the same question, she said, why would you call my classroom a prison? And so at that moment, the Lord spoke to him and said, it is the churches and the educational institutions that keep all of my people in prison. But if they just simply had enough courage and boldness, they could free themselves at any moment because of the holes in the gates and the things in the wall. That's how the book starts. (laughs) Okay. Read it later on. It's called The Call. So as a result of that, This is the problem, is that we pastor what you call a free church, okay? The overwhelming, and I know, and watch this, every pastor thinks that his church is a free church. And yet, the majority of churches out here, over 90%, could be 99, but over 90% of the churches out here are what you would call a prison church. And now this is the deep part. Well, if it's a prison church, then how would God still move? Because you can give God a dollar and he can make a million out of it. You can give God a leaf and he'll turn it into a whole forest. He won't turn it into a tree. Any little bit that you give God, he will exploit it because God is a master at taking our little bit and maximize it for his advantage. Okay, there's a uh, scripture in Psalms. It says even a tree that is completely uprooted from the ground will still begin to bud at the very scent of water. Okay, in other words, God doesn't need a whole lot to do a whole lot. Okay. So as a result of that, oh, let's turn over to Galatians chapter five. Because this will be our like little foundation scripture as we roll through this. Galatians chapter five, verse 13. This is a powerful scripture. It says, for you were called to freedom. Brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve the pastor. Didn't say that, did it? It says, serve one another. I don't know why I threw that in there just for fun. It says, but think about that. It says, you are actually called to freedom, brethren, but only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. So let me explain to you how this happens, okay? Um, Most people, what they do is when they join this church, they come from a prison church, 
And I'm going to start giving you a few examples of how you don't even know that until you come here. And even when you come here, you won't even realize that you were part of a prison church. At a prison church, uh, two things, the two basic things that happen at a prison church is this. There are, there are several things in you. I said a couple, but it's, I'll just do three. Your gifts, your pride, and your rebellion stays dormant. Because at a prison church, your true heart is not free to come forth. At a prison church, you automatically have gifts on the inside of you. You have power. You have callings. You have visions. You have dreams on the inside of you. At the same time, you also have pride and rebellion. Every single person in this room, including me, has a certain amount of pride and rebellion on the inside of you. Period. You can sit up here and be, no, I came out the, the womb with the Holy Ghost like Jesus. Uh-huh, whatever. You have a certain amount of pride and rebellion in your heart that lies dormant and never comes to the surface until you join a free church. Because at a prison church, you do only what you are told. Nothing else. It doesn't matter your gifting. It doesn't matter your idea. It doesn't matter your suggestion. You only do in prison what you are told. But when you operate in freedom, what happens is you are then free to kind of start doing what you want to do. There are still rules. There are rules in prison and there are rules in freedom. The rules in prison are for the purpose of controlling you. The rules when you get free are for the purpose of you not taking your freedom too far. Okay. So that's why he would say, be careful because you're called to this type of freedom, but don't use it as an occasion to the flesh. So now what happens is, is that the rebellion stays there. See, this is the reason why people will join this church and never really dream before they become a member of the church. And then they start having dreams because at the prison church, they don't allow you to have dreams. They just tell you it's food. And so because this stuff is locked on inside of you, it stays dormant in the prison church because in the prison church, how many, you know, you're not about to go to a prison church and see too much creativity. Because it's basically you just herd of cattle. You got to get up at a certain time, eat at a certain time. They let you have a little bit of freedom at a certain time out in the yard and play basketball and everything. You can lift weights at a certain time. You got to almost go to the bathroom at a certain time. And you got to go back to yourself. That's prison church. When you're free, you're free to roam. You can go to Tibet. You can go to Africa. You can go to Russia and all that. But you still got to abide by certain laws. So at a prison church, all of this stuff is locked on the inside of you. But then what happens is you come to a church like this and you start feeling free. Your gifts start activating. Remember the gentleman I told you to sat over here and when Cindy gave the interpretation for the first time in his life, he was getting the interpretation, which never happened at the other prison church. So these things start activating, activating. But guess what activates also? Rebellion and pride. Because see, at the prison church. Never mind. <laughs> I'll just keep going through it. Okay? So I'll give a couple of examples of this. At the prison church, when you get offended, guess what you do? You stay there. Because how many of you know in prison, it don't matter if you offend it. You still got to stay in prison. Okay, that's one thing my wife says all the time. She says, oh, it is amazing how people will stay at a church that mistreated them for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. They will stay there, do everything that they are told, know the pastor is off, know he is wrong, and will still be there early, stay late, do whatever is asked in a prison church. Then you come to a church where they trying to make you stronger than the pastor, she said, and they just disrespect you and act like you ain't nothing. I said, yeah, that's what you do when you're free. That's why the Bible says, don't turn your freedom into a case to be able to act a fool. Okay, so you get offended at the prison church. Guess what you do? You still stay there because they told you if you leave that God is going to curse you. 
So even when you are offended, you still stay there because you know what? I'm offended and I'm upset. But the pastor told me if I leave this church, I'm going to be cursed. So let me just get myself together and keep on serving the Lord. But at a free church, we don't teach that if you leave this church, God is going to curse you. So when you get offended, guess what you do? You're free to leave and you're free to rebel. Y'all looking at me like, oh, my God, let me keep on going. Okay. I, uh, you know, my uh, my wife, we have a. A children's minister. We, we're praying about two, but we have a children's minister now. And um, and my wife was, uh, you know, we were having some. They were having some discussions, and and I guess my wife could sense that she wanted to give some suggestions, but she was holding back. And so, but see, at a prison church, you can't really give suggestions. If you do, you give it in fear and trembling because you don't want you you don't want the pastor to think you're trying to take over his position. Okay. So my wife told her because it's a free church. She told her. She says. I need you to give me suggestions as though I don't exist and you running it. See, freedom. But let me tell you how that person could go too far, which she hasn't. How she could go too far. Freedom has been given and she now is operating this as though it's her own in the arena of freedom. Then my wife come back and says, yep, 99% of this is cool. Just this 1% right here, I need you to make one small adjustment. And then at that moment, the rebellion pops up that was, oh, well, I can hear from God just like you. And I can do, yeah, it's not an issue of hearing from God. It's an issue of you making an adjustment. Okay. All right. At the prison church, you give because you think you give under condemnation. At the prison church, you tithe and you give because the pastor told you that if you don't give, God is going to curse your finances. You're going to drive like a leaf. You're going to do all of that type of stuff. That's what you, that's all you get. Most people that give. At a prison church, they're not giving because they really want to give. They're giving because they believe the pastor sees what they're giving in the finances. And they believe, I'm, any I ever go to a church where at the end of the year, I went to a church, I went to a Baptist church. And at the end of the year, they tally up what all of the congregation members give, put it in a booklet, and then send it to every member. So when I get this booklet in my house, it's not just my name and what I gave. It's all of y'all names too and what you gave. So you might see... Oprah Turnbow, he gave $250,000 this year. And then it might say, Lorana Turnbow gave $2, and it's right next to my name. Now you're embarrassed. Nothing to be embarrassed about. If I gave $2, I still help the vision. But now you feel bad, because that's what they do at prison churches. <laughs> Nothing wrong with your $2. Now you <laughs> Calvinist. You know what, see, I can't tell stuff with certain things. Calvin in the back about to fall out of the chair. You know, see, when you come from churches like that, you're like, oh, my God, I remember that foolishness. Yeah. Right? See, so so now what happens is you give by force when God said, I only want it willingly. You come to a church. Remember when I taught on tithing, I said, I said, you tithing is not God. You not tithing is not God cursing you or you not giving. I said tithing is for the purpose of you doing your part so that God can do the part that you cannot do. I taught that message. People are like, oh, my God, you got to be killing me because I told him God cannot do anything to you that he does not have. There are no curses in heaven. He does not have the ability to curse. When you get cursed, it's because you walked away from God, not because he did something to you. Okay. Prison church. <laughs> you don't even expect the pastor to call you back. You just know with the prison church, I'm going to call. I'm going to leave a message and maybe they might call me back. Okay, I told you about this church and 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 this dude is new. He got about 100 members. I called secretary called me back a week later. And you know, you know what I think is funny? It's dude that got 10 members and he got a secretary. I, why do you need a secretary, dude? 
I got six kids. Do I need a secretary? No, I just, never mind. Let me just stop and back up, okay? So call, call me back a week later. Then she set the appointment a week later. And I'm thinking, is it really that deep? You that busy where I can't get in touch with you for two weeks and I'm another pastor? Okay, so at the prison church, you might call and leave a message, but you do not expect the pastor to call you back. That is the overwhelming thing that I hear when I call people back. They are blown away that the pastor will call me back. Wow, I'm in the business of people. But you know what somebody will say? Well, it's because you have a smaller church. Stop. I know folk who got 20,000 members who will answer the phone. I was telling them yesterday about Kenneth Hagin. Okay, Kenneth Hagin, he, when he does seminars and stuff, he 20,000 people there in the audience. Service ends, he's standing out front, and nobody's even talking to him. Because when you create, see, a lot of guys, what they do is they create what you call the movie star complex. The movie star complex, you carry yourself like a movie star, so that's how the people start dealing with you as a movie star. They always want to get next to you because they can't get next to you. When they always know they got access to you, they'll leave you alone. (laughs) All right. At the prison church, you go to church under condemnation. You must be here every single Sunday. You must be here every single Wednesday. You must be here for the deep meetings where we're going to absolutely talk about nothing. You must be here for the rehearsals. You must be here for the children's church training. You must be here just to be here. Drive by the church just in case we have a service and come in. You always got to be in church at the prison church. Just drive by. See if we have a service. I mean, killing them come for a church. I can't believe they said they were in church six days a week. Dude, Moses said the same thing. What are you doing? Like you said, we're trying to win the darkness, but the light is up in the building six days a week. <laughs> preaching to each other while the darkness is going to hell. We're supposed to. It's crazy. Okay? See, at the prison church, you got you, you. If you miss church, you feel like you're going to hell. If you miss church, oh, my God, God is mad at me. He's not going to bless me for the next five years because I missed a Sunday. But at the free church, we'll tell you sometimes the Holy Spirit might tell you to stay home. But see, what happens is, is that at the free church, okay, when they when we start teaching you about the freedom that's in Christ, if you are not careful, the rebellion and the pride that was in your heart that lied dormant is also rising as well. And you'll get to a particular level where now, because of the freedom, if you don't put the rebellion and the pride in your heart in check, you'll use the freedom as an occasion to do what you want to do. Because now when you find out, oh, God is not mad at me because I missed a Sunday, then what you find yourself doing is, well, you kind of flippantly just kind of treat church like whatever. I'll just get there when I want to. I'll come when I want to. Boom, boom. And, and say so now it's a heart issue. See, when that, and freedom, when you do stuff in prison, it's forced. When you do stuff in freedom, it's based on your heart. It's based on your heart of sacrifice. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll do one more and then we'll jump off the prison church. In the prison church. Always remember this. You will never fulfill your destiny. You just serve in a position. At the prison church. At the prison church, everything is about the pastor. At the prison church, everything is about you serving him so his name can be magnified in the earth. It's about using you to fulfill his destiny. At the freedom church, it's not that way. But at the prison church, you will never fulfill your destiny. Ever. It will not happen. And if you try to rise up too much, they just kick you out of the church because that's what they do. They kick you out of prison so then they tell you to go join another prison. That's exactly how it operates. See, at a freedom church, what happens is, is that the leader is a servant and he's trying to get everybody to their destiny. 
And but based on that, when you're trying to get everybody to their destiny, what happens is, is that when people get empowered, that's the reason why the Bible says don't put a novice in charge, lest he be lifted up with pride. There's a reason why the Bible says knowledge puffs you up. Because when you are empowered and you get knowledge and you get understanding about the freedom in Christ, it can cause you to get beside yourself and get arrogant to the point where you won't make one small adjustment in order to keep on going. Because the nature and style of this ministry is it forcibly, whoever joins this ministry, it forcibly begins to pull you up, pull you up, pull you up. And the only reason why you won't go up is because you won't make an adjustment. It's the only reason why. Okay, and so. You know, so I knew what this purge thing was about. It was there are individuals who they don't want to make adjustments. They hit the wall. And because, you know, what the saddest thing in the world is when the Lord. Now, he doesn't do this for everybody. He doesn't do it a whole lot. Saddest thing in the world is when the Lord, somebody, Lord, sends somebody to this church and he shows me their destiny. He shows me the impact that they were going to have on culture. He shows me how this person was going to touch five million people. And then because they don't want to make one small adjustment. They end up walking away from their other destiny, thinking it's going to be fulfilled at another place. But it's not going to, because all you're going to do is leave. Yeah, how many of y'all know that there are some people that when they get out of jail, they don't know how to handle freedom. So they on purpose do something so that they can get put back in jail. And it's Christians like that. They don't know how to handle freedom. And because with freedom, they don't want to. Freedom is not a license for you to just now do whatever it is that you want to do. There's responsibilities when it comes to freedom, but people don't know how to handle that. They end up just going right back to jail. Numbers chapter 12. I'm sorry. Luke chapter 14. Verse 16, it says, he said unto them, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at that dinner hour, he sent his slave. And let me add something about this. When I was reading this earlier, I need to clear up something. There are so I shouldn't say so many. There there are um, a number of people who are trying to attack Christianity because of this word slave. And they're trying to make it seem like, you know, well, how is it that the gospel is gospel of freedom and y'all had slaves? Okay. Slave here is not what they were doing back in the, you know, 1800s with black slaves. Okay. That's not the case. In this particular case, these slaves were paid servants. That's the reason why in the scripture, it gives you instructions on how to treat them. It says, treat them the same way that God would treat you because the same way your slaves have a master is the same way that you have a master in heaven. So it's not talking about, you know, beating somebody over the back while they're picking cotton. It's talking about a paid servant. Okay. At dinner, he sent a slave to say to those who have been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike begin to do what? Make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. Me personally, I would have thought that was a good reason, but we'll keep it moving. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city, bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, master, what you commanded has been done, but there is still more room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. And when it comes to destiny, God will give you a chance to fulfill it. And if you won't, he'll go get somebody else that he didn't call because he's going to find somebody because God always desires you men. I can act a fool as a pastor if I want to. Guess what? He'll simply move on and raise up somebody else to do what I was supposed to do. Okay. 
And so people get stuck in their mind where I'm God's anointed and appointed. No, you're not. Because God can God can make a donkey speak. He can make an eel fly and an eagle swim. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can make a rock cry out and praise him. So if I mess up, it's not this thing of, oh, yes, God has called me as a last day pastor, last day apostle. All of that. God has called me to, to, to bring about a great revival. But if I decide to be rebellious, you know what he's going to do? Well, try him. Let's try another one. OK. And so and so I, the, the, that's the that's the unfortunate thing is that it's the same principle of what the scripture said. It says the gospel was sent to the who? Jews first. And when they rejected it, God went to the Gentiles. When it comes to your destiny, there are some things that only you are called to do. So he'll come to you first. And if you won't do it, he'll go to somebody else. I know a pastor that said he was praying one time and the Lord told him, you were not my first choice. You were my sixth choice. I went through five men before you said yes. Okay. Catherine Kuhlman, she said that she was doing that great ministry. She was a great healing evangelist, so much so that she would walk in. And when she went to a city to do a healing meeting, the hotel she stayed in, everybody got healed. Just in the hotel she stayed in. And she said, well, God picked me as a woman because uh, she said there were no men who would obey. See, so you see the scriptural precedent where God gives you a chance to do what he called you to do so that you can get this reward and have the honor of representing God. But if you won't do it, he'll just pick somebody else. Y'all looking a little depressed this morning. Okay, let's go on. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. And I highly encourage you to listen to yesterday's message, too, called The Purge, because it was, you know, I'm sure I'm adding more in between both of them. All right. Numbers 12, 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman um, or um, in the King James, it says Ethiopian woman. OK, so um, um, what is what we would call a black woman today? OK, so there's your answer. Was Moses black? No, because if Moses was black, it would be no issue with the fact that he married a black woman. See how these dudes out here, they want to turn everything into black power? No, I don't think so. Do you know that in a book called, um, what's that book? The Book of Enoch, it says that Noah was the first Caucasian man in the planet. Yeah, go check it out in the Book of Enoch. It's amazing. All right, let me keep on reading. <laughs> and they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Do you realize how humble you have to be when the Bible says that you are the most humble man in the planet? How do you even come to that conclusion? How do you come to that calculation that you are the most humble man on the planet? But see, let me tell you something about humility and meekness. When, as we read through this, it gives you great ability to see. And the more humble and meek you are, the more God will personally back you up. See, and so Moses was meek so much so he made a decision that some folk around him didn't like. They spoke against him, but he didn't say nothing. Verse four. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud, stood at the door of the tent. He called Aaron and Miriam when they had both come forward. He said, hear now my words. If. There is a prophet among you. I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. 
Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him, I will speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. He beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? Okay. So apparently this is another passage of scripture where the level of humility and meekness you walk in will determine how plain God makes himself to you. There are a lot of people, you know why they can't hear from God? Because they got too much pride. You want to hear from God? Because they got too much rebellion. The level of your humility and the level of your meekness will determine the level of plainness in which God speaks to you. Okay. A couple of things about this. Number one, <laughs> Moses' heart of humility caused him to carry himself different than other leaders. Number two, apparently others around him had been used by God. And when he made a decision that, he did, that they did not like, they discredited his ability to hear from God. This wasn't even a religious decision. This was an issue of who he wanted to marry. And because of who he wanted to marry... They discredited his ability to hear from God because he made a decision that they did not like. That's one of the things that I've had to deal with. You know, not, you know, my wife is more kind of been preaching to me the last few days, but it's amazing. You sit up here for two years. You teach people how to interpret their dreams, walk in visions and dreams. We then teach people. I mean, we open up the door for people to receive interpretation of dreams. Everything that I'm preaching is stuff that they've never seen before. They never heard before. You teach people. This is how you hear from God. Then they do it. And then they hear from God. You know, people say, oh, every single thing that you did, it worked. I've had people tell me that every single thing that you taught, we practice it and we did it for two years. Everything worked. And then you ask them to make one adjustment. Oh, no, brother, you can't hear from God. I can hear from God just like you. So how is it I can hear from God all about your blessings, but I can't hear from God when you made a simple mistake? And the only reason why the mistake is to be corrected so that you can get more blessed. So what happens is in the Freedom Church, it pulls you out of that, but you will hit a wall. And if you won't deal with your attitude, your rebellion, your pride and the way in which you treat God, then you'll stay stuck at that level. And then because you're stuck at that level, you'll think that this church is like another church. And then you'll leave the Freedom Church and go to a prison church and be right back in prison. Then the third thing is, before we move on, finishes up, Moses freed the people out of prison that they had been in for 400 years. They had been printed in prison for 400 years and they got upset with Moses and gave him a hard time because they didn't get in the promised land fast enough. And the reason why they didn't get in the promised land was fast enough, fast enough. It had nothing to do with Moses. It had to do with their mentality. I mean, a, a roughly seven to 13, that's argumentative, but a, a roughly a seven to 13 day journey took 40 years because they wouldn't make one adjustment. It's the crazy thing in the world, I'm telling you. All right, they don't look too happy this morning, but I'm going to keep on preaching. Hey, turn over to Genesis chapter 12. You know, it's amazing. You help people. You know, it's, you know, it's sad. You help people hear from God. You help people mature. And when they do, they use the very maturity that you taught them to walk in against you. I had an individual tell me that God, let me get this right. God has left me. The anointing is no longer here. And I'm like, this dude is deceived by the devil, the whole host of dark. This dude deceived by aliens, the devil, whatever else you can come up with. God is he deceived by everybody. Okay. No longer anointed, you know, um, upset because we got rid of praise and worship. I said, let me ask you, how did I get rid of praise and worship? We do more prayer and worship than most places. Oh, no, you mean I got rid of a praise and worship team. And you're basing that on what other churches do. 
I'm not building the church based on what other churches do. I'm building the church based on what the word says. See how your mentality can be gone. And you can't see something just as clear. And guess what? While this person is talking, the enemy is feeding stuff in my ear. I just don't take, you know, it don't take too long for me to realize, oh, okay, this is the devil. Oh, yes. And no. Okay. Like I told them, see, let me all remember something. When you build, when you build a foundation for a huge building, you build the foundation first. Then when the foundation is done, then you start building. Remember I talked about the first phase of ministry? Our first phase is over. We're not going to the second phase. The foundation phase is over. But people get in their mind because they don't know nothing about growing the church. They get in their mind, well, how long does it build a foundation? It doesn't only take a couple months based on what? Maybe another church. Don't take long to build a prison. <laughs> you know because you work in the prison. Okay? They just, all it is just cement and, you know, I mean, walk into the prison room. It's just bars and a little toilet and some. Don't take a whole lot to build a prison. When you're building a skyscraper, take a whole lot to build a skyscraper. And then ministries are trees. When you plant a tree, the tree grows down first. And if you didn't know anything about growing trees, you think, oh, this thing didn't work. No, it's growing down first to get strong. Then when it gets strong enough, then it grows up. Okay. Then. I got the pattern of all of the other guys. I talked to two other gentlemen this past weekend who they pastor churches like mine, free church. And they said, dealt with the same thing. Same thing. Okay. One gentleman, he told me, he said he had a, a particular person and this particular person was trying to put the pastor in check because they were having something in the service where, where um, the pastor would kind of step forward and kind of be a part of it. And the person put the pastor in check. You shouldn't be a part of this because you weren't in the meeting. And they just kept on. Kept, and he's like me. You know, just that whole nice you want to you know, rub your back and, okay, it's going to be, you know, well, maybe I'm out of order. Maybe I should have been in the meeting. And, the, and he tried to do all that. And the guy just kept putting him in check, putting him in check. So he left and went to a prison church. I want to say something so bad, but I can't. I got to keep it in the Holy Ghost mode today. Okay? Okay, another guy, he said, um, he did not do what I did this past weekend. And because he didn't do it, he ended up with, he said like this, one small, small section of his church that are operating in this way. Problem is that they won't leave. And like I told my, you know, told my wife, a couple of people, I'm not, there's nothing for me to change. See, the trick is when you turn your church into a freedom church, the trick is the enemy will use a couple of people to try to convince you to turn your church back into a prison church to control people. Because when they're free, they get beside themselves sometimes. I don't need to change anything. See, and so now you're understanding, too, this is the reason why, see, uh, I told my wife, I never understood this before until I pastored this type of church. Now I understand why so many pastors then, because most pastors started out this way, most of them. Now I understand why they switched. Because when they operate with the freedom, they saw not the majority, but just a couple people get beside themselves. They stabbed the pastor in the back. I had a friend of mine. Oh, my God. He put some on. He put some on Facebook yesterday. I said, I can't even share this. He put some on Facebook about, you know, uh, don't. It's OK when people betray you. He said, always remember, he said that Judas betrayed Jesus and betrayers always hang themselves. <laughs> I was like, God, I can't put that on there. <laughs> I was like, whoa. So, you know, so I was talking about these other gentlemen that they dealt with it. So I don't need to change anything. But that's the trick is that pastors will change that to try to protect themselves. I had a friend of mine. He gave a testimony in service yesterday. He said, I saw the same thing in Detroit. He said, I was part of a church. He said, it started just like this one. 
He said the pastor was using everybody in the off audience to do everything. He said, they, he said as the church began to grow, he said they would have altar calls packed full of people and you have other people in the audience come and lay hands and pray on people and everything. He said, but then one person did something. One. He said, and, and what the person did was completely innocent. He said, but what he did was he then sat that person down. And so he went and met with that pastor. He said, did you sit this particular person down so that it would put fear into the hearts of the congregation? He said, that's exactly what I did. Trying to protect himself. Because when you have a free church, you're going to always, it's going to be like that in the future. You get a free church, people for the first time in their life, they walk in power. For the first time in their life, they have been told that you on the level of Jesus Christ. But now that they're getting that, the rebellion is popping up, too. And their pride is popping up and they'll get beside themselves and put themselves right back in prison. OK. Um, what did I tell you turn to Genesis chapter 12. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. He told him to get away from his country and get away from who his relatives and from your father's house to a land. I'll show you. I will make of you a great nation. I'll bless you. Make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and then disobeyed and took Lot right with him. It's a shame when you, you disobey God before you even step into the thing. OK, now Abraham was 75 years of old when he departed from Haran. I go to Genesis chapter 13. What I'm explaining to you right now is called, I'm just giving you another example. This is called anointing by association. Okay. For a season, when you join a church like this, what will happen is it matters not how you are living. It matters not how much scripture you know. It matters not how much you pray. It matters not. What will happen is, is that the anointing of association, because of who you are attached to, it will begin to pull you up. Okay, so Abraham went from Egypt to the Negev and he said unto his wife and all that belonged to him and lot with him. (laughs) Now, Abraham or Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold because God wants you to be poor. And he went on his journey from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen or employees of Abram's livestock and the employees of Lot's livestock. So these dudes are so rich, they got folk working for them. Now, the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling then in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me. Lift that up for me. Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zor. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, and thus they from each other. This is what you call. I'm just I'm giving you all of the dangers of all winning me will try to trick you out of the right church. This is what you call anointing by association. Lot never got a vision. God never spoke to Lot. Never even told Lot about his destiny, about his purpose. He spoke to Abram. 
and then told Abraham, don't take Lot. He said, get away from all your relatives. But even in an act of disobedience, when Lot connected himself to Abraham, okay, when Abram became rich, Lot became rich because he was connected to Abram. That's what you call anointing by association. Now, what's deep is, is that they both got so blessed that it caused problems. That's, you can get, oh, Jesus, I could go down so many lines right now. They got both blessed because they were, he was connected to Abram, but they end up increasing so much that it caused problems. You got to be careful who you connected to, okay, particularly in business, okay? So it caused problems. Abraham said, you got to go. Lot separates himself, and guess what the end of the story is? Abraham keeps going higher, and what Lot, once Lot separated from Abram, the next scene, you see Lot living in a city that was entirely homosexual. He lost his house, his property, his belongings, his uh, sons-in-law. And the next scene is Lot is in the mountains and his girls are having sex with their father. <coughs> see, but see, as long as Lot was connected to Abram, it didn't matter if he heard from God or not. Didn't matter if he was called or not. As long as he was connected to him, God kept pulling him up the same way he was calling a dude that was called. Up. And that's what's dangerous about being about a part of a church like this. When you connect, it's not me. It's the grace on this ministry. You connect to it and, 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 it'll, and you will come up to the level of you dealing with your own pride, your own arrogance. And your own shortcomings. It'll keep pulling you up, pulling you up. And if you go to a standstill, it's only because there's something that you got to adjust in your heart and your mind and the way that you do things. And once you make the adjustment, boom. All right. Next one. And we're almost done. John chapter 15. You know, it's really a shame that, you know, people, people determine how a church should grow in the beginning based on information that they don't even know. It's, they make the determination based on what they see in other churches. They know nothing about growing a church, and they want to tell you what to do. But your personal life is jacked up. You ever heard, how many of y'all got an uncle right now? He's an expert on everything, except for his own situation. His own situation tore up, but he, know, he knows what the military should be doing. He knows what the president of the United States should be doing. He knows what the government should be doing. He knows what the mayor should be doing. He definitely knows what you should be doing. Because if he's an expert about the president, he is surely an expert about you. Ain't had a job in 30 years. Can't handle your own finances, but an expert on how President Obama should be handling his finances. Everybody an expert nowadays on nothing. And even the ones who think they know something don't know anything. Okay. I was telling him yesterday about, about the, the guy in Nigeria. He was preaching. Okay. I, I forgot about the story. He was preaching. He finished a big, huge meeting. I don't know how many thousands of people there. The Lord told him, walk to the beach. He walked to the beach. He said, draw a stick man in the sand. He draw a stick man in the sand. The Lord said, now erase the stick man with your foot. He erased the stick man with the foot. And the Lord said, what you did to the stick man is what I will do to you if you tear up this ministry. Mm-hmm. I just got one of them threats in a dream about a week ago. <laughs> so, so, so when people try to tell me what, there's a difference between you making a suggestion or you saying, hey, you know, I mean, because this has happened several times, particularly when I was early on preaching. They come to me, hey, man, you might want to watch how you say this. I know you don't mean it this way, but you might want to adjust it over here. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about when I say, I believe we should be doing this in this season. And then you say, well, I don't believe we should be doing that. 
And then I say, okay, I understand that, but I just got to follow my heart even if I'm wrong. Because how many know, it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make, God will still cover you. Especially when you make a decision and you really believe it was God. If you make a decision and you thought it was God, but it was not, he will still cover you as though it was him. Because he knows that you did it with the right heart. All right. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So always remember this. This is what I'm talking about right here. See, when you bear fruit, that means you are growing. When God sees that you are growing, something is going to happen to cut you back a little bit. And most of the time it's not finances and sickness and disease. Most of the time is you having to deal with your emotions about something that you don't like. He'll deal with your pride. He'll deal with your rebellion. He says, okay, you're bearing a little bit of fruit, okay? But in order for you to bear more fruit, we need to cut you back. We need to trim off the excess. We need to, actually, that word here, when it says that uh, he prunes it, it literally says in the Greek that he gets rid of the filthy stuff in your life. He gets rid of it, okay? So let's read this one story about how this happens. Get in. Judges chapter 7, verse 2. So always remember this, okay? God prunes you and chastises you so that you will keep on being blessed, so that you will continue to grow. But watch this. You grow, and then when that pruning comes, you reject it because of your pride, well, then you can't grow any for it. And the sad part is when you don't prune something, it'll start going the opposite direction. Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. Gideon is getting ready to go to war. He said... The people are with you too many to give Midian into their hands for Israel will become boastful, saying my own power has delivered me. Now, therefore, come, proclaim in the earring of the people, saying, whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So twenty two thousand people returned, but ten thousand remain. So this man got thirty two thousand people he getting ready to go to war with. And then he made this announcement. All y'all are scared. Go home. And twenty two thousand people left. That's one law of, of church ministry. And typically, business or ministry, the overwhelming majority of people that are with you will always be afraid. You have life, period. Okay. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Therefore, it should be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. He shall go with you. But everyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you. He shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now, the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth was 300 men, but all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his own house. Lord didn't give me this revelation. There's a man, pastor now, by the name of Rodney Pearson. Pastors a church in Texas. He shared this with me years ago. He said, this is what's deep. He said, the first group, okay, God sent them home because they were afraid. The second group, he sent them home because they didn't have the right mentality. The second group, y'all, they wanted to fight. They were full of faith, full of power, boldness were ready to overtake the enemy. And the Lord said, they want to fight and they got the heart to fight. But even though they have the heart to fight, they're not qualified to fight because they have the wrong mentality. So he said, send them home. And now this dude is left with 300 men, 
only 300 had the right mentality. You read the rest of that story later on, they were going against an army that was so big, the Bible said that the camels that their equipment was on was, was as the sand of the sea. They're getting ready to fight an army that's so large you can't even count their camels. And that didn't bother the Lord. He said, now how many know that if you're getting ready to fight an army that large, 32,000 people is not enough. But God said, take it all the way down to 300. Out of this huge task that you have to overcome, only 300 out of 32,000 were qualified. See? So, you know, every once in a while we're going to have somebody that leaves and somebody gets offended. That's normal. Okay? It's normal. I want to say something so bad. I know what I said. Remind me to say what I wanted to say after the tape is over. I won't say it on tape. Thank you, Jesus. People on the media page, they're going to be upset. That's all right. You have to be here live in order to hear it all. <laughs> just some things you just can't share. You know what? Whenever, anytime you hear me do that, you see me do that, I'm actually protecting people. Okay? Because you don't want to give people an impression that you want to be, I'm just protecting people. And there's some things you can say that if that person listens to it, all right, he is talking about me. You would never know who the person is. But I'm, I'm going to say something at the end after the tape is off. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> John chapter 6 this is the last one. So here you kind of see this pattern now where God was the one that did the pruning. There are some people that leave. It wasn't even them. It was God that allowed certain things to happen so that their mentality would come forth and then they would get upset so that they would leave and go to another church. Because that person, okay, God will send them to another place because the other place matches their mentality. <laughs> that is crazy, ain't it? Answer a whole lot of questions. See, every, always remember this. We, my wife and I told a couple this last night. You only draw as a leader to yourself like-minded people. You either draw like-minded people or you draw people who could become like-minded, but they got a lot of gunk in their system. So you'll draw people to the church that's just as crazy. You spo- the church is supposed to be full of a bunch of crazy folk. That's where they come from. It's the craziness. So they, the church is not a place for clean people. It's a place for people that's crazy. So they come in, but they have the ability to conform. But if they don't, eventually what will happen is the system will boot them out. Because every leader duplicates after his own kind. John chapter 6, verse 61. But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled that this said to them, does this make you stumble? Jesus had made one statement, one revelation. Just like me, McKinley and Tracy preached one revelation and folk fell off the wagon. What then if you see the son of man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. He knew that from the beginning. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the father. As a result of this, many, not a few, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Do not get the impression that because of the nature of our church and that we don't have strife and everything goes. And it's like so many say, this is the this is the church that I always dream could be. But don't get it twisted. You're still going to have folk that's going to leave. It happened to Jesus. He was perfect. If it happened to him and he was perfect, no for sure it's going to happen to me and I'm not perfect. 
Jesus made one statement and all of these folk that had been following him around for the last couple of years just got up and said, okay, he ain't the one. We gone. Just like that. Bam. Didn't stop Jesus. That's why he turned to the disciples. Y'all going to? They're like, no, we're not. We're not going nowhere. We stand right here. We don't care what they did. I'm not stupid like them. I'm going to stay right here. Okay. But just remember that, that there are going to be seasons when people leave. Sometimes it'll be God getting folk out of you. Because always remember this, you all. Um, I got to say something about Christ. The people with the wrong mentality, you know what happens? The people with the wrong mentality, it's easy for them to leave when things are small. But when the church is blowing up, they refuse to leave because they want to be in positions of power. And they'll still do the same thing in the future, but when they do it then, they end up corrupting some of the other people around them. Much more. I know for a surety that at this moment, everything is the way that it's supposed to be. I couldn't even, I'll say it differently. I couldn't even make that decision two weeks ago. Everything at this moment. I was just waiting. Because I was like, just got a couple more issues. And I was just waiting. And I was like, and I'm thinking I'm going to have to deal with it. And I didn't have to. Okay. So, so, and that's one of the things that when we were praying, you know what the Lord showed me? It, that, see, this happened at the end of Jesus' ministry. Happened at the end. You know why? Because Christ was the foundation. Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Christ was the foundation of what the disciples were going to do. He said, that's why it happened to you, because you just finished your foundation for what the folk are going to do. And we talk about that. Everything is about Christ. OK, so keep this in mind. This is a different teaching. It's more as a simple one, but it's a warning there. You all are right now. God has something for you to do. OK, and remember this. Okay, I don't come up with this stuff. This is in the Bible. The Bible says one of the keys to fulfilling your destiny is you being faithful to somebody else's. That's why the Bible says if you're not faithful to that, which is another man who will give you that, which is your own. You want to know why the overwhelming majority of people we have are extremely faithful, period, is because when I served another man of God, no matter what he did, right or wrong, I served. And I didn't, it wasn't me serving him. It was me serving God because the Bible says do all things unto the Lord. It didn't matter if I agreed with him or not. It didn't matter when he fired me or not. It didn't matter when I felt like I was being done completely wrong, which I was. Did not matter because I was there for God and not for him. When you're there for a man, when you're there for a position, you will eventually get booted out at a free church because you're there for the wrong reason. You're not even there to serve God. I still remember years ago, it was a particular gentleman and they were short staff at the moment. He asked this particular gentleman, hey, he was a minister. I need you to just kind of serve. Now, he getting paid. This ain't even volunteer. Okay. I need you to serve in children's church because, you know, we just kind of short staff right now. I need you to cover this until we find another children's church. He said, well, he told that guy, well, I can't really do that because that's that's not my calling. He's he's fired next week. I can't use it then. See, the man just asked you to help him. He pastored a church. He just asked you, help me over here just for a little bit, a few weeks until I can find. No, I can't do this. This dude is paying you forty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, and you can't do this small adjustment to him? See what I mean? Okay, I remember there's a can I say this one? No. Does it have to be said on off air too? Okay, so just just keep that in mind that when you whatever church you are a part of, okay, whatever church you are a part of, you must serve there. 
because it's not my church. It's not my ministry. This is something that God established and how you treat it will determine how folk will treat you. That's the reason why I got so many faithful people is because I was faithful. And so that's what I end up reaping. If I had to cause that ministry all type of trouble, that's why I hardly ever have any issues because I did not sow that to another ministry. I was always first one there, last one left. It didn't matter if it was a my wife tell you it didn't matter if it was a snowstorm. I was still going to church when they needed help. I was the one that was there. That's see. So what? And this is the thing, whether it's business, whether it's ministry, whether it's in the arts, whether it's in music, whether it's in video, however you serve, when you step out, then you will deal with the blessing or the drama that you actually created. I watched it over and over again since 1998. So I told that to say that that's the difference. When you are part of a prison church, everything is locked down. They use you. And this is this the sad part is. When you become part of a, of, a, of a prison church, at first, everything's exciting because everything seems on the move. You might even be given a position. OK, you just won't be able to be brought to equal status. They'll never let you do what you want to do. They'll never let you do what's in your heart. OK, I mean, at yesterday's service, I don't even know what happened. I don't even know what happened. That's kind of like the norm now. You know, we let me see. Albert was praying. Then Garnett was praying. Who prayed after Garnett? Then Linnea was praying. And then I was praying. <laughs> and then Lisa came up. And Lisa comes up and she takes the mic and she's giving the musicians instructions. She said, this is what I hear. And she said, I hear this with the drums. Boom, 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 boom. And they just looking at her and I'm just looking and she's just looking and they didn't do nothing. So she said it again. This is what I hear. And when I hear this, this is what's going on. Boom, a boom, boom. And then Tony started doing it. And then he shifted and something else came into the room, dude. <laughs> Try that at another church. <laughs> you're a Mac black, Mac black. <clears throat> no, you're not even going to try it. Because at a prison church, you know what they tell you? The gifts are only for the ministerial staff. Sit down. They, they're not interested in your gifting. They're interested in using you to fill a position so that they can get to their destiny. And that's the reason why most churches, they start out good, but at a, at a prison church, you know what happens? You eventually get overloaded. <laughs> okay? So just keep that in mind. That's why we shared that. You know, so we're going to cut it off right here and, um, and get ready to uh, dismiss.